How long does The Trial of Zombies go, Paul? Because apparently both the last ones were made by Skippy Bottom, and I was expecting one per teacher. They go as long as the teacher decides, Elvis. The Trial of Office Hours makes no promises, least of all of safety or timeliness, and on days when professors are too busy, they've been known to make the trials impossible. Like, deceptively impossible? Paul, are we gonna waste our entire day trying to tattle and not get to the end? I wouldn't do that to you, Mason. We've only got one day for these games, and I wouldn't mess with you like that. At least not very often. Yes, Lowry, at least I wouldn't do it very often anyway. Let's be real, Paul. It's not like you don't sometimes create seemingly impossible situations just to see how we'll get around it. You know, it's funny you should bring that up, because you guys advance through the next doors and find yourself in a sort of forest grotto. There's a well-cultivated garden here, a variety of attractive plants and flowers, and trees of numerous species. On one of the trees, there's a plaque that says, Anything worth doing is worth waiting for. That seems like a generalization that's patently false in a lot of situations. Yeah, like what if you have to go to the bathroom? Fickletick made you fill out a bunch of forms for that, remember? This is obviously Fickletick's room. Oh yeah, he did do that. Alright, everybody fan out. Look for any hints what we're supposed to do. Especially look for shortcuts and cheats, because I get the feeling that doing things the right way is gonna waste all our time. A fan out! Start feeling for hidden doors along the walls. Elvis and Mason, what are you guys looking for in particular? Check around every tree and bush to see if maybe there's some instruction manuals? Or like some levers? Or anything we can work with, I guess? And I guess flip that plaque over to see if there's anything written on the back of it. Of course, the old trick where you write a puzzle on the back of a sign and then nail it to a tree so nobody can read it. Only the most clever wizards may pass. More like most destructive. A clever wizard tears down every wall between him and his objective. Then there's no more walls. Mason, some of these walls might be load-bearing. Okay, well then maybe we leave some of the walls up. Well, Larry checks the walls, and you're not sure if they're structurally important, nor do you see any hidden doors or notice any conspicuous seams. Elvis pokes around, and aside from a few brightly colored magic garden slugs, finds nothing of note. Mason, you pry the plaque off the tree through a considerable amount of tugging and pulling, only to find there's nothing written on the backside. Aw, and I work so hard and patiently at it too. I put a garden slug in my empty chocolate millipede box. Now you have a blue and yellow friend. Oh, speaking of, are you still holding Clyde hostage? I like Clyde and now have a newfound respect for him. So yes, he's my forever hostage until Stockholm Syndrome makes us best friends for life and until thereafter. The fate of many of our NPCs. Clyde says, Yeah, this is usually where students give up. Why's that, Clyde? Because this trial is just completely unfair. There's no way you can be wrong if you wait long enough, but nobody has that kind of time and Fickletick probably thinks he's being clever when he really isn't. I don't suppose you could tell us the answer? Nope, can't do it. We don't even have anything to work with. It's just a garden. Well, maybe you can tell us what the puzzle is? Sorta. Look, when students get frustrated with the fickle tick puzzle, and they're all frustrating, me and the other zombies like to poke our heads in and offer hints. You know, it's the only way anyone gets through it. Fickle tick is just really bad at these things. Okay, well then give us a hint, because we are on the clock and we have no ideas. Does it involve the slugs? I can't confirm or deny it has to do with the slugs, but I can start with something simple. What happens to anything if you wait long enough? Everything that can go wrong, does go wrong. Sure, and then after that? My dad hires a lawyer. Okay. And he uses lawyer wizard magic to make all the problems settle out of court. Yeah, okay, but let's go further. What happens after that? Wait, is this puzzle going to take longer than it takes to settle a lawsuit? It can take years to settle a lawsuit. We'll graduate. I am well aware. And many years after that, we'll all be blank. A powerful lich to rival Skippy Bottom. Obviously we can't all be that, or else there would have been one other wizard who ever was that. Skippy Bottom was the first and made it his business to be the last. 
Don't get your hopes up. Oh, okay, then. Well, many years after we graduate, we'll all be disappointed. I'm disappointed now. This puzzle sucks. Uh, and then what happens after all the disappointment and old age and all the rest of that stuff? Heat death of the universe. We need to freeze the room. Okay, way too far. All right, back up to at least within the planet's lifespan. The sun expands into a red giant and engulfs the earth. We have to set the room on fire. Clyde kind of hangs there, like he's trying to think of what to say to that. Wait, am I onto something? Hang on, does anyone know how to make fire? Nope. No. Darn. I can't believe no one thought of that. Any magic we want, nobody can make a fire? It seemed too obvious. Listen, guys, just, just fill in the blank. Okay, if you wait long enough, we'll all be blank. Zombies. <sighs> We're not all gonna be zombies. Back up a step before zombies. Okay, dead. But just so you know that even as a zombie, you're still dead. So the room needs death to let us pass through? Again, can't give you the answer, but if you wait long enough, every living thing in this room would be dead. So we need to offer a human sacrifice. I knew this would happen eventually, I just thought this was senior year stuff. Okay. I'm kidding, Clyde. But killing all this stuff is going to be a lot of work. Lowry and Elvis, can you guys use your levitato to yank up the trees? Maybe we can start with big stuff and gradually work our way down. It's like 50 strength. I think that's enough for a tree. Okay, start with this one that has the plaque on it, and then use that to beat the other trees to death. Show Fickletick what we think about waiting. All right, Paul. Lowry and I work together to yank up a tree and toss it into another tree. All right, that makes your work easy, because the minute you tear that tree up from the ground, you find beneath its roots is a tunnel and another doorway. We did it! Thanks, Clyde! Fickletick is such a hack. Who makes a puzzle where the answer is to get mad and flip the game board? We've wasted enough time up here, no time to dwell. On through the next door. You head on through those doors and find yourself in what appears to be a small office lobby. There's a front desk and several comfortable-looking office chairs. Behind the desk is what appears to be a gorgon, with her head covered up by a lampshade. Oh, uh... Oh, we learned about this. McDougal taught us. Uh, ca doodle doo Presto, I forgot. You're gonna fail her exam. It wasn't even part of her lesson plan! The gorgon says, Hello, is someone there? Okay, you keep your face where we can't see it. That's why I'm wearing the lampshade. Are you students? I'm Professor McDougal's trial. Her trial is to fill out a questionnaire about your feelings on the previous trials. She'd like you to emphasize in particular if at any time you felt frightened, frustrated, or in danger. The questionnaires are anonymous. Oh. Is that it? That's it. That's the whole trial. Does Clyde have to fill one out? Who's Clyde? Clyde says, I'll fill one out. Levitato a clipboard to Clyde. Does my pet slug have to fill one out? I don't think it does. Is there rooms for write-ins? Because I have a lot of feelings about this particular trial, and I'm going to write them all. There's space on the bottom. So a gorgon, huh? Yeah. And Professor McDougal thought you'd be a good receptionist for a trial. Are you always a receptionist, or do you ever do other stuff? A lot of McDougal's trials are like this. She once set up a triple blind where students didn't know what we were testing, and I didn't know what we were testing, and I also couldn't see the results and report on them. I don't know if it went well. How's a Gorgon get a job like this? Uh, I used to be night security down in the dungeons. A lot of really dangerous things can be stopped by turning them to stone. Most things that get loose ought to be stopped on site too, so it's win-win, and I thought I was doing good. But I got one too many students. They kept coming down there to make out and do other gross things. In the dungeons? But it's cold and damp, and I think there's a portal to some weird dimension whispering secrets I can't understand. 
They keep saying to get closer, but my brother told me if you follow them all the way, it's just a big scream at the end. Yeah, I miss the old muttering portal of baited doom. My name's Phaedra, by the way. I feel like it's not fair you lost your job just because some kids were being careless. We have deaths and casualties all the time. In fact, right now there's a kid who's going to ride a griffin without proper training or supervision. Our progress is really slow, though, so he's probably going to die. It's not like I don't feel bad about it. You set out to protect kids, and you feel good about that, but then it turns out you're a liability. McDougal is my boss, so she went to tumble dry about it, and he thought it wasn't my fault either, so he asked McDougal to come up with a compromise where no one loses. So here I am in the trial of office hours. Not that I'm complaining. Beats being homeless. Yeah, with questions like these, I guess she's trying to still use you to save lives. And a complete disregard for my autonomy. At least the other professors are attempting a puzzle. This is a complete travesty of the puzzling profession. Actually, I don't see any choices to report on this trial. If this trial is scaring you, you can say so in the comment section. I was thinking more like, why can't this be a jazz lounge? Or like a poetry club, and we write poems about how we feel, and then we get to advance if the poem's good. Don't listen to that. It always turns out terrible. Poetry is not a good idea. I've seen people die. I'm writing that down, in fact. Don't listen to Elvis. Never do a poetry club. I hope that in the future, you will be willing to put up a challenge and threaten my life like a real wizard professor. I did not come to this school to be treated like a child, and I will be writing a letter to whoever or whatever is my government. And done. Tell McDougal to feel ashamed. I'm trying to save a child's life. The least you could do is try to create some drama to underscore the tension. This is amateur hour. Turn mine into... As long as we don't write poetry, I'm happy. I'm also going to recommend dividers so people can't read what I'm writing. You were saying it out loud. And also mandatory earplugs. Clyde hands his in. I just recommended having it be broadcast if this is a fighting situation. Because I'll tell you, I felt very stressed today. We could work on that. Phaedra says, Oh, I can relate to that. I've been surprised hitting the head an awful lot since getting this job. The door head swings open and leads to a hallway with another set of doors at the end. Once you enter the hallway, the doors swing shut and latch behind you. Ugh, man, I let my guard down. Dang it. Frickin' always put a cinder block in the doorways of mysterious dungeons. This always happens. Well, you know how these things go. Nowhere but forward. Just puts us on deadly ground. Now we have to fight like crazy or die. So stupid. Give us the chance to run and we will. On you press through another set of doors which leads into an arena. A solitary suit of armor stands rigidly in the center of the room. What ho! Students come to take a test of valor. I am the final step of your trials. There's a variety of weapons on racks along the wall. Maces, axes, swords, spears, all melee options. No slings or crossbows or anything. Select your weapon and we shall begin our duel. Do we have to? I'm not much of a fighter. I'm 12. Well, you don't have to choose a weapon, no. I always respect an opponent who fights with his bare hands. If such is your choice, then have at. I mean, do we have to fight at all? I'm afraid fighting is all that I know, so if there's another way through, I don't know it. All right. Lowry, Elvis, pin him down. But then I have to set Clyde down. Just set him down over there. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere. Okay, set Clyde down and levitato! Levitato. You guys hit him with the spell, but the magic simply slides off him. A noble attempt, but now it's my turn. And I'll start with the big one! He runs towards you guys, flicking his sword elegantly upward in a slicing motion and cuts Clyde from crotch to sternum. Clyde falls to the ground. Oh man, I'm, I'm not even one of the contenders. I was kidnapped from another trial. Oh, 
My mistake. Terribly sorry. Jeez, you're really gonna kill us. Of course. There'd be no stakes otherwise. Elvis, he turns and grabs you by the throat, squeezing tightly as he does so. Take eight stun, three body. He pulls the sword back. This next part is going to be painful, but quick. Uh, 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 Paul, I pull out that box and I dump the slug down this guy's visor. Alright, that's a hit. You pull open the visor and see there's nothing there. He's an empty suit of magical armor. And you dump that slug right down into him. Oh! Oh, gross! Oh, oh, that does not belong in there! He drops you. Mason, you're up. Scramble away and hit him with the ultimate nostalgia beam. Just as with the levitato, the spell slides right off. Oh, come on! Immune to magic? Really? It's all we know! Larry! Levitato Elvis safely to the other side of the arena. Alright, you grab Elvis and fling him to the other side of the arena. Elvis, you roll across the dirt floor, kicking up dust until you come to a stop. <laughs> Thanks, Larry! Don't mention it. The suit of armor finds the slug and fishes it out of himself, then crushes it in his hand. Right. Well, that's one kill, technically. He turns to you, Lowry. Defend yourself! He lunges, once again sweeping from crotch to sternum. Before I tell you the damage, do you have any way of saving yourself? I do have a healing spell. If you let me abort my turn to heal myself right as I take the damage, I might live. I'll allow it. Oh god, not the danglies. Innervado! I heal 8 damage. In a panic, you summon the healing energies, knowing full well the sword is coming. It flies through you like you are made of sponge cake. You'll take 15 body, then heal 8 of that. Alright, and that's a crouch shot, so I... Oh god, pass out. Larry's down. This armor moves fast. Of course, he's got nothing in him. Elvis, you're up. Uh, Levitato! Grab a weapon off the rack and hurl it at the guy. Twong! You grab a mace at random and send it shooting like a star across the arena. It bounces off the armor's chest, severely denting it. The blow is so hard you knock him down. Oh! Oh, good show! I may be immune to magic, but the weapons can be wielded however you see fit. Mason! Oh, oh no. Uh, I leap on top of him. Well, he's lying down, so it's practically a matter of just jumping on him, at which point you slap away fruitlessly with your bare hands against pure iron. Mason, how am I gonna hit him now? You're on top of him! Ah, uh, dang. The armor bucks his hips, throwing you off balance and reverses your position. Now he's straddling you, holding you down. He's going for the stab, but the sword is unwieldy at these close distances and you're thrashing around too much. I surrender, I surrender! That is not an option! Elvis. Paul, grab a spear, try to impale the armor against the wall like a butterfly. In one fluid motion, you pull a spear from the wall and ram it into the armor's back, launching him off a mason and sticking him to the wall, facing away from the both of you. Ah, he says, looking down and gripping the spear. Well, I may be able to escape this given time, but not before I'm pummeled to obliteration. I concede. You just said that wasn't an option. Yes, for you. A magical seal on the door at the opposite end of the arena fades away. I applaud your valiance. Sorry once again for your zombie friend. Clyde stands up, doing his best to hold himself together. Go and slap Lowry awake. Uh, uh, hello? All I remember is a bright light, and then an angel descended with her hand outstretched, and then she kicked me in the jewels. Yeah, that's kind of what happened. We did it, Lowry! We passed the trials! Oh, did we? Thank God. I was starting to have second thoughts about risking my life for Robert's safety. It's more than that, Lowry. It's about an ideal. Standing up for what's right. Or what we believe in. Or just for being a little jerk. Paul, we carry on. I need to see a doctor. Through those doors you pass, and once again you find yourself in something of an office environment, with potted plants and a water cooler. 
There's four doors and a plaque near each door with the name of one of the teachers. One for Tumble Dry, one for McDougal, one for Fickle Tick, and one for Skippy Bottom. It's the moment of truth. Who do you choose? See, there's that false dilemma thing again. Clyde, can you go into Fickle Tick's office and tell him some kid named Robert is going to ride one of the Griffins without supervision? Man, I'm going to be doing paperwork for hours. I know, that's why I'm sending you. Elvis, Tumble Dry likes you the best, so no, go- No, 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 I gotta talk to Skippy Bottom. But he doesn't like you. He doesn't like anyone, it's the same. Fine, suit yourself. Then Larry, I feel like Tumble Dry doesn't know what to do with your willingness to give up and die. So you tattle to him, and I'll see if I can get something out of McDougal. Will do. Alright team, break. Everyone heads through their respective doors. We'll start with Elvis. Elvis, you find yourself in a rather distinguished-looking office with various decorations that likely predate history. Skippy Bottom is writing something, but he pulls his hand away from the quill and it continues writing without him. Come, he says, motioning to the chair across from him. I should hope your visit is worth visiting for. I sit down. Yes, sir. I've come to beg for you to teach me. I am teaching you. I know, sir, but privately. More than the other students. I want to be a lich and do amazing things. You don't realize what you're asking to sacrifice. It's a higher calling than all that I am now, sir. You haven't the stomach to go through with it. You're dismissed. I stand up and I slap Skippy Bottom. You slap Skippy Bottom across his alabaster face. He gazes up at you with his embery eyes in a long, dreadful silence. Finally, he says, You've mistaken my assertion for a test of character. I'll brave and do anything you have to throw at me. You will tolerate me for giving this rash action because it remains between the two of us, and you'll be grateful for the wealth of mercy that I show you now. Act out as such in public, and I will be forced to take severe action. If there's nothing further, then you are dismissed. Well, also, I guess Robert's gonna ride a griffin, and someone has to stop him? Then you should have done so directly. If not for the seriousness of your first request, I would be annoyed now. Will that be all? Also, I guess it seems like he's gonna go through the portal of infinite consequences? Do you know when? No, sir. Very well. Consider yourself granted an appointment when you know the detail. If that's the last of it, you may see yourself out. He waves open the door you came through, which now leads into the initial hallway where you entered the trial of office hours. Okay. Thank you, I guess. I'll be back. And then I leave. Out the door you go. Mason, you walk into the office of Professor McDougal, which is neat and tidy in every possible respect. She's sitting at attention as though she were expecting you, and she straightens up a stack of papers slightly as she says, Mr. Nostalgia Bottom, please have a seat. She waves her hand, and a seat slides out for you to sit in. Ma'am? I'm so sorry about the trial. I, I feel it's a bit much, and I've been trying to build a case against it, but... Skippy Bottom and Tumble Dry are in agreement, and I've had the most difficult time coming up with empirical evidence to show it's not a good idea. That's fine. I had fun. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, I came here to warn you that Robert's going to ride a griffin without supervision, and I guess he might be riding it, like, right now, or just finishing up. I don't actually know, but it's wrong and someone had to be told. Oh, goodness. Well, the rules state that all disciplinary action has to be processed through Tumble Dry, so let's go ahead and make your case. She gets up, flicks her wand, and a door appears in the wall next to you. Lowry, what you enter is a messy office space. There's underwear on the floor, and it looks too big to be tumble dries. There's a bicycle suspended in midair by magic, and a parakeet cackling aggressively from a cage in the corner. There's a mirror on one of the walls where the Lowry reflected inside is making rude gestures at you. Make a rude gesture right back. Oh, I see you've noticed my mirror of deepest desires, tumble dry says. Is that what that is? He's flipping me the bird. 
Oh yeah, that's what it does most of the time. But every now and then, without warning, it shows you exactly what you want to see, and for the rest of your life, you can't look away. I just keep it out in the open and look at it occasionally. To be honest, it's not as powerful as they say it is. They keep showing me all kinds of things, but then I just go outside and get whatever that thing is. Doesn't hold a lot of power if you're a man with material needs. Okay, well, I'm just gonna... Paul, I pick up a paperweight or a stapler or something and just chuck it into the mirror. Crash! The mirror is destroyed and pieces tumble to the floor. Oh, well, I guess that's defeated now. So ends a long and illustrious history of corruption. Now how am I gonna know what I want to eat for dinner? Sorry, that guy was pissing me off. A door appears on the wall and McDougal lets herself in. Mason follows right behind her. Oh, speak of the devil, Tumbledry says. Were you discussing me, McDougal asks. No. Well, I have a student here with concerning news about improper behavior. Are you busy with your own student? It's okay, ma'am. I'm here for the same reason. Oh, well, then go ahead and tell Tumbledry what I was told. Robert's gonna ride a griffin, and he doesn't have permission. Tumbledry shoots up. Is that so? Well, I'm glad you told me. We can't have kids running around doing things without consequences. He pulls a buck knife out of a drawer and presses it into your hand, Mason. Then he winks. Come on, let's go stop some troublemakers. He flicks his wand and poof! You guys are outside in front of the Griffin stables. Before you is a terribly wounded Robert. His friends, Donald and Zelferpolis, are in a panic, standing either side of him but not sure what to do. It's clear that Robert has been mauled by the griffin, and it looks pretty bad. There might even be some organ damage. The griffin is squawking and scratching at its paddock. Oh, so close. Tumbledry lifts up his robes, then pulls another buck knife out of his drawers. He throws it down next to Robert. All right, so the key to riding a griffin is that you gotta prove you can handle yourself in a deadly fight with a bladed weapon. Only the winner can ride the griffin. Go on, Mason, get him! McDougal grabs Tumbledry's arm. Sir? Oh, right. I guess I better make this fair. Innervato! Robert's wounds are healed, and he grunts a sigh of relief. All right, now, student knife fight! Sir, I don't really want to ride the griffin. Oh, well, Robert can't ride that griffin unless someone's willing to lose a knife fight to him. Donald, Zelferplus, how about you guys? They shake their heads no. Larry! I see a chance for no one to get what they want if I don't take action, so I'm not going to take action. Okay, well, I guess the situation is diffused then. Good work, Tumble Dry, and good work to happenstance. He claps his hands together, and with a mighty explosion, he's gone. Well, Robert, I hope you learned a lesson. And the lesson is that you should have learned Innervato before you came to this school. And also that riding a griffin requires you to knife fight with someone. I'll admit, these are really specific life lessons, but magic... Changes up a lot of things, so it's it's very delicate, the lessons. Robert and gets up and brushes himself off. He's got blood all down his shirt, but he says, The only thing I've learned is that death is too afraid to come for me. That was a rush, but I need more. I'm going to go through the door of infinite consequences. Ah, oh, man. Could you not? The trial of office hours is like a whole thing, and, and it'll be at least an hour before we can get someone to help you. Well, then don't tattle anymore, Nostalgia Bottom. I'm going to do it, and there's no rational form of argument that could stop me. And with that, he stomps off in the direction of the door of infinite consequences. If you look on the bright side, Robert's going to give us a lot of work to do for a little while, and then all at once, none at all. Well, I guess let's head back to the trials. You guys have no choice but to follow Robert to get back inside, and in the hallway to the dining room, you run into Elvis. Elvis, Robert and company run past you. 
Oh, hey, where are you guys going? To the door of infinite consequences. And nobody can stop us. Oh my god, I'm telling. Hey, Elvis. Are you ready for round two on the trials? Actually, that sword went just right up in my intestines, and I'm not sure that I got all the internal stuff healed. I still need to see a doctor. Well, we can't just let this run its course. A good tattler never rests, Lowry. Robert's life depends on us being like this. Okay, I've got an idea. What if we apprehend him, then take them in for tattling? Uh, that might be workable. I guess let's give it a shot. Paul, are they through the door already? Nope. You walk into the dining hall, and it appears that Robert is trying to work up the nerve to go in. Polvis. What does that do again? The room is filled with blinding clouds of dust. Okay, Robert shouts, They're trying to stop us! Let's go, quick! You hear footsteps, then a thump, then the sound of a body slapping against the stone floor. When the dust clears, Robert and Donald are nowhere to be seen, and Zelferpolis is lying flat on her back. Ugh, oh, I ran into the door, Frey. Levitato. Well, you're under arrest now. Oh, I most certainly am not. A shadow unravels around Zelferpolis, revealing that all along, she was none other than the Dreadlord Huglack himself. Drop him. Oh, I I'm so sorry, Dark Lord Huglack. I had no idea it was you. Yeah. Your, uh, disguise was really good. Like, top notch. You, you, were, you were in Tumble Dry's class and he didn't even notice. Oh my god, it's the Dark Lord. My dad is your biggest fan. Would you mind signing a few large money bills? It'd make him so happy. Yes, well, that's not exactly the reception I was expecting. Your work is legendary, sir. I'd really like your autograph, too. Autographs will have to wait. You see, not only have I infiltrated this school, but I received advance word about the Door of Infinite Consequences. And I've devised a method of forcing positive consequences. After you're done killing Robert and stealing that ring or whatever, can you please be one of our teachers? After I receive the consequence I'm seeking, my power will rival even Skippy Bottom. But unlike him, I don't intend to retire. And after a quick wave of his wand, which will supposedly rig the door, he steps inside. Okay, Lowry, I know you're a big fan, but we have got the super tattle on this. No, I know. The Dark Lord is a great man, but he is not allowed. It's not up to me to choose what happens, but it is my place to tell others about it. Well, I have a preset appointment with Skippy Bottom, so let's go. Paul, we rush back to the trial of office hours. You pass through the main doors, and this time, immediately on your right, you see a door that wasn't there before. You go through and find yourselves in Skippy Bottom's office. Professor Skippy Bottom, I want to be a lich! I see you've brought an audience this time. Are you tempting fate, or have you come for the clear reason I expressed for you to hold this appointment? The second bit. And also, Lord can't say his name is here, and he just went through the door after Robert did. Ah, uh, good. Skippy Bottom rises, and with a wave of his hand, space bends around you and you're all back in the dining hall. We'll start by sealing the door. Skippy Bottom gestures, and the door is now locked behind a pattern of arcane runes. And step two. A portal to the sun appears. Skippy Bottom simply waves the door into the sun. There we are. The portal closes. Applaud. Uh, Robert and Donald were still in there? I deemed them acceptable casualties. They will be dearly missed. But Lord Huglack said he'd figured out how to rig the consequences. He could be powerful beyond reason now. There were no consequences inside that door. I was the one who leaked, he makes air quotes with his bony fingers, that this year's danger challenge would involve such a powerful artifact. But the truth was, it's a simple stasis trap which Huglack brazenly walked himself into. Oh. And I guess Robert and Donald were cruising for a death sentence anyway. Indeed. Well, sir, 
This has all been amazing, and you've probably done the world a great service, but so you're aware, I'm telling on you. Go ahead. See if anything can be done about it. It's not about the results, sir. It's about the principle. Paul, I return once again to the trial of office hours. I guess I go too. All right, but after this, I have to see a doctor. Off you go to continue the endless cycle of tattling. Tumble Dry is in fact powerless to do anything about Skippy Bottom, but you impart that knowledge and that's enough for you. With each tattling, I can assume that Elvis once again demands to be a lich. That's right. Well, after a great deal of persistence, one year Skippy Bottom finally gives in, and you begin a dark and terrible path. Mason, you find yourself with many great memorable years behind you, and nothing to look forward to. And this happens every year until you die having lived a fairly fantastic life, which you admit to having, but you never properly enjoyed at the time. It's my family code. And finally, Lowry, you see a doctor, and I presume you talk to water at some point. It's actually a spell I bought. I can telepathically communicate with water. I just never saw fit to use it. Well, there it is. A job well done. Everybody did great. Thanks for the game, Paul. I tell you what, Paul. I'll run the next game. I'm thinking about vampires... Ruling the streets, political bickering and infighting, all that fun stuff. All right, sounds good. I'll think of a character and I'll see you guys next week. So that was Everybody's Neville, a tale of adventure to stop other people from having adventure. Coming up next is Vampire the Charade, a story of petulant vampires and the lives that they live. If you guys enjoyed this, and I hope that you do, I've got other stuff that I've worked on over the years. There's tons of things, YouTube comics, whatever. You can find some of those on donsomewhere.com. That's our website. Again, that's donsomewhere.com. And if you'd like to support me on Patreon, I would really appreciate it. It helps keep me going. I'm on Don Somewhere there as well, so that's Don Somewhere on Patreon. If you join me on there, I try to upload new episodes a week in advance. Anyway, that's all for this arc, so I hope you guys will join me for the next one, and you have a fantastic day. <laughs>